Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could come to a place of faith that we could receive all that he promised to be to you and to me today? Uh, we're, we're, we've been on the air now. I've lost count of the years, uh, but we've been faithful. Uh, we've been on WMAF uh, for uh, uh, not here in Tampa, but up in uh, North Florida. And uh, we've been on the air on this little radio station for, for, I think, five, six years, somewhere in that neighborhood. It's been a long time. And we've been faithful to, to bring the gospel wherever God wants to send it from there because it goes on the World Wide Web. It's WMAF streams all over the world. We know of a certainty that it goes to South Africa because we got a... a, a through the radio station initially, someone from, actually a pastor in South Africa uh, and of a congregation there contacted the radio station because he listens by computer to WMAF in South Africa. That's incredible what the media allows us to do to propagate and get the gospel where God wants it to be. And uh, so then through the radio station emailing me, I was able to email him, and he emailed me back. And we had this conversation, and it was so good to know that the, what is on the radio is going to South Africa. Now, because I introduced him to our website, over 1,300 sermons spanning going on 42 years of ministry here in the city of Tampa, uh, that he's listening to what is being brought right here in this room uh, in South Africa. So we're grateful. In fact, their congregation adopted our statement of faith as their statement of faith. They used it as a, as a template for their own statement of faith. And we really, really appreciate that. So we, that's just what we know about. We don't know all the places and people that the gospel is touching that we're not hearing from directly and distinctly. We do know over 20,000 people. I found a, a place the other night has come to our website since a certain date. Over 20,000 people. Now that's amazing in a little church like this that over 20,000 people have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. If they choose to listen online or download, and Doug has made it, our media minister has made it very easy to download. And one thing we emphasize, you couldn't, if you were a millionaire, you couldn't buy anything on our website. Now, if you're a millionaire and you want to make a donation, we would happily receive it. And we'll even receive it if you're not a millionaire. We just did a little while ago. Amen? Praise God. But we don't... One thing we want to make very clear, so nothing is misunderstood, our motive uh, for being on the air is twofold. Number one, to reach people that don't know Christ as their Savior. And number two, is to instruct and hopefully through that instruction enable God's people to rise up and become all that He's called us to be in this last day that we are living. I want to talk to you about the radio broadcast message. Uh, I don't always do that, but sometimes the Lord puts me a little bit in check and says, why don't you bring that to the congregation too? They need it too, not just the radio audience. So I'm going to talk to you a little while uh, this morning on keys to understanding God's ways. I'm going to begin the same way I began the radio uh, message, and that is this. There is a scripture that challenges me over and over. It is a scripture that says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. And that's really the nature of faith. Faith uh, doesn't have to see to believe. Well, we walk by faith and not by sight, or literally not by sense knowledge. Sight is one of the five senses. Amen. Sense of smell, sense of taste, sense of hearing. 
sense of sight, sense of feeling. Five senses that tell you everything about this material world. But it doesn't tell you anything about the spirit realm. And God is a spirit. That's why they that worship Him, you can't just have an emotional worship service and really come into the presence of God through that. You can get a high on Sunday morning emotionally. But how many know that you've got to face the same valleys and the same problems through the week? And that high, how many know an emotional? If it's emotion, if it's just lifted you emotionally, how many know that high won't last you through the trials and tests and valleys? You've got to have something deeper than that. And I'm going to tell you something about this wonderful emotional worship. It's not true worship. Because it's coming from human emotion. And we all know that emotion is different than devotion. How many's ever heard of a crush when somebody gets a crush on somebody? You know, they think they're in love. You know, it's puppy love. You know why it's called puppy love? Because it's immature. It's not deep. It won't weather storms. It's really great and exciting initially. But when all of that begins to wane, that initial emotional stuff, you've got to have something deep that holds you together. It's the same way with God. The emotional stuff, that's not going to get you anywhere. I'm Pentecostal from head to foot and all in between. I want to be a hallelujah from head to toe. But I'm going to tell you something. If I dance and run this aisle, when I hit my valley, when I hit my valley, all the dancing and running the aisle and shouting is not going to affect me in that valley. Because I have never seen anybody that danced in church dance in the valley. And I've been a pastor long enough to see people on that mountaintop dancing and shouting and see them in the valley. And believe me, they ain't dancing in the valley. You know, we used to sing when the saints come marching in. Now we sing when the saints come dragging in. I think most of us live somewhere like the lady that was brutally honest with her pastor. He was shaking people's hands as they leave. And he says, Sister Hoopendicker, she said, he, said, he said, how are you? She said, Pastor, I'm somewhere between praise the Lord and help me Jesus. Can you save? <laughs> and I think that in our humanity, that's where we live. We praise God on our mountaintops and we cry, help me Jesus in the valleys. And it's okay to cry, help me Jesus in the valleys. What's not okay is to live in the valley, be comfortable in the valley, wallow in the valley, complain in the valley, and stay in the valley. He lifted me, David said. I've been in the valley, but he lifted me from the mire clay. He put my feet upon a rock. Why did he put his feet on a rock? To keep him from sliding back in. In other words, he didn't pull, just pull him out. He pulled him out and established him. And then he put a song in his heart. A song of praise. And he said the humble, and this use of the word humble in the Hebrew is not that wonderful virtue of Christ who humbled himself. This is not that virtuous humble. This is another word for humble. And it means literally to be crushed by pressure. Crushed by the pressures of life. He said the humble, those that are crushed by the trials and the pressures and the discouragements and the disappointments, when they hear about my deliverance, they hear about a God who can pull you out of the miry, listen, miry clay. I don't care if you've got a four by four. 
You get in the miry clay. I'm not talking about a little clay up in Georgia. I'm talking about a swamp. I'm talking about miry clay. And if it's clay, we don't, we got marshes here, but clay, it'll grab you and it'll hold on to you. And a four by four will just go deeper and deeper while all four wheels spin and spin and spin. You might have four by four faith, but it's going to take God to pull you out. Can you say amen? Your engine ain't big enough. Come on, it's going to take God to pull you out. It's going to take God to pull you out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, come on. There's no supermen. There's no superwomen. There's human beings, but there's a super God and a faithful Father. So David said, He lifted me from the miry clay, and then He put my feet upon a rock. He established me. He brought me through that trial. He showed me His faithfulness, and now my trust is in Him exclusively. And He put a song in my heart. A song of praise. The humble shall hear about it. They will hear where I was and where God brought me to. And they will be glad. They'll take courage because they'll know if God did it for him, God can do that for me. There's no valley too deep, no storm too great. There's nothing that God can't deliver me from. But my faith has to be in him exclusively. Hallelujah. So he lifted me. He lifted me. He lifted me. I heard the the story. I probably told it here I don't know how many times, but when you've got one congregation and, and all this time uh, of a man years ago, and people are still falling where in places they shouldn't even be walking. So there's a man that got near the edge before they put up all the guardrails at the Grand Canyon. He just wanted to see more and more of this spectacular view and the depth of this great valley that water has cut out. The Grand Canyon. And he slipped and went sliding down the wall face. And he was grabbing for anything he could grab. And he grabbed hold of a little little bush growing out of the rock. And it stopped his fall. But all his weight was on that bush. And he knew that bush won't hold me much longer. I'm going to fall. So he begins to pray. How many, uh, how many tend to develop your prayer life when you're in a crisis? You know, we don't have time to pray many times until the crisis comes. And suddenly, that's the most important thing in our life, is getting God's help when we need it. And we take the time. So, he's in the crisis, and he says, God, help me! God, help me! And heaven initially seems brass, because sense knowledge will not give you a sense of God's presence. If you can't see it, you can't feel it. And by the way, we Pentecostals, we really were driven towards sense knowledge because our instead of taking God's Word for a lot of things, we went with what we felt at church. And if we, if we didn't feel it, we'd work up that feeling. God's not dead. He's still alive. How do you know? I feel Him in my hand. Listen, I love the presence of God. And I feel Him sometimes. Amen? But in the valley... I honestly don't feel him as a rule unless there's a special anointing, a special manifestation. In that valley, he asked me to walk by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. Everybody say sense knowledge. That's what that that's just one of the five senses. So it goes beyond just what we see, but what we feel, what we hear, what what our emotions tell us while we walk by faith. 
and not by sight. We look not, listen to this carefully, while we look not at the things which are seen, for they are temporal. That chair you're sitting in, it's temporary. You say, it looks pretty sturdy to me. Well, give it 300 years. Can you say amen? And I guarantee you, it's going to begin to deteriorate. The fabric is going to begin to, to waste away. The, the, it's going to rust out. It's going to fall. That's going back. Sooner or later, it's going to end up in the dust. Everything in this world is temporary. While we look not at the things which are seen, for they are temporary, say subject to change. Your body is temporary. This is a temporary dwelling. The Apostle Paul called it a tabernacle. When, when he said tabernacle, I thought of a grand church like that one right down the road from us. Amen. Your body, if this earthly tabernacle were dissolved, looked up that word tabernacle. Paul was a tent maker by trade. That was his other vocation than preaching. He made tents. He could sew the fabric or the skins into a tent. And that word tabernacle is literally tent. How many want to go into a gated community and live in a tent? I don't want to live in a tent. I want to live in a house. A tent is to go camping in. It's temporary. And if this earthly tabernacle tent was blown down by a strong wind because it don't take much to take it down. We have one in the heavens not made with hands. Wherefore, we yearn not to be naked, but be clothed upon with our tabernacle, with that permanent celestial, spiritual body until the resurrection when this body is made immortal and we're reunited with this body. Someone asks preachers all the time, ask me all the time, will we know each other in heaven? (laughs) If I go to Dallas and you go to Dallas and we meet... In Wally World, that's Walmart for you city folk. Can you say me? And we meet in Walmart in Dallas. Would you know me in Dallas? Then you'll know me in heaven. Because it's this body that's going to be resurrected. And Robert A. Venable is going to be re- reunited with this body. Hallelujah. Brother Taylor, I'm going to know you in heaven. The only thing that's going to make me stop for a minute. See, I just went to my 50th high school reunion. And everyone was putting on the name tags. And I'm glad they were putting on name tags. I'm going to tell you something. After 50 years, you're, a, you're an old man. <laughs> oh, I, I, <laughs> We all aged in 50 years. Some better than others, but we all aged. And the, the distinguishing marks of our youth is giving way to the distinguishing marks of senior citizens. And we all look different, act different amen, than we did in those days. Uh, what, when we get to heaven, we'll be in a glorified body like unto his glorious body. Amen. But we will be in this body. There's no point in raising it up from this earth if we're not going to live in it forever. So we're not going to be a big glob of protoplasm floating around out in space somewhere. We're going to be the people we are here. Can you say, man, in fact, heaven isn't going to stay there. John said, I saw that city, the holy city, the new Jerusalem, and it's coming down out of heaven. Can you say, man, 
Hallelujah. It's, it's like a bride that is adorned for the groom and it's coming down out of heaven. That city has 12 gates on each side of it. Praise God. 12, three times, four, four times three gates on, on, anyway, 12 gates to the city and each gate is carved out of one solid pearl and it's coming down hallelujah praise god and there shall be a new heaven and there shall be a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness praise god we we're not we're not going to stay up there because up there is coming down here hallelujah God is not going to let the devil beat him. Hallelujah. There's going to be an earth like he wanted it. And people on the earth like he created them to be. Hallelujah. Praise God. Job had a revelation. Direct, distinct from God. He's went through all of those trials. His friends have accused him of being unrighteous. His wife, she's a big help. She said, why don't you curse God and die? You've lost everything that you've had. You've got boils all over your body. You sit and complain from daylight to dark. And he did. He contended with God. Listen, if you've been through what he went through, you might have a few questions of your own. Don't be too hard on Brother Job. Never be hard on Simon Peter. And leave doubting Thomas alone. We've all doubted at some point in time. Amen? Amen? I see doubting people all the time. I see them on Sunday in church. You know why you doubt? Because you're human. And you go through things and things wear on you and they wear you down. He lifted me. He lifted me. He lifted me from the miry clay. He put my feet upon a rock. He put a song in my heart. And the people that are in trouble and hurting, when they hear it, when they hear of it, they're going to take courage. They're going to be glad to know that the God of David and the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob and our God is a faithful God. And there's no place too deep that he can't lift you up from. There is lifting up in him. Can you say, man, glory to God. Hallelujah. I see the wavering faith. I see the shakiness. Amen. I want so bad. I want to lift you out of that. But I want to tell you about Him because He's the only one that can do it. I can't do it. Now, I can stimulate you emotionally. John Starnes used to open up for the Jimmy Swaggered Crusades before all the troubles came. And John sung and the Holy Spirit just moved in hearts when he sung. And he... He, a lot of Pentecostals wanted him to get down on it. <laughs> they, wanted him to, they wanted him to evoke more emotion. They didn't put it in those words. That's what they were after. Come on, you can come in all sad and, and people get to shouting and dancing. And the choir get to singing just right and hit that high C. And you can get an emotional lift. But that's all it is. Since knowledge will let you down, faith will does not work by what you feel, what you see, but what God says in His Word. Hallelujah. And when God's Word begins to affect your emotions, because He said it, and here's the deal, He said it, I believe it, that settles it. No, 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 no. Scripture said His Word is forever settled where? In heaven. So God says it. That settles it. And you and I have the option whether to believe it or not. 
But the day that you believe it, it don't matter how deep and dark the valley, the day that you believe it, your emotions are going to get a lift. See, there's a, there's a facelift that can happen at church. You don't have to go and pay for it. You don't have to go and go through surgery for it. The moment you get a faith lift, no, I'm not slurry. The moment your faith is lifted up in the Lord, you're going to get a facelift. It's going to affect you. You can't be sad and believe that God is in control, God is on the throne, and God is going to pull you through. The gladness comes immediately. You don't have to wait and see because since knowledge says I'm not going to feel better until this changes or this changes or I see something. Amen. Faith says I don't have to see nothing because God said it. And that settles it. And I choose to believe it. Glory be to God. But here's where most of us live, right where that guy lived. Lord, help me. Heaven is brass. Nothing has changed. The, the, he knows. I, I just got a few more seconds and, and I'm going to plunge to my death. He says, is there anybody up there? There's the doubt. When we don't see it, we don't feel it, we wonder if God's even real or if He's even there. If He is there, He's not listening. Is there anybody up there? And His name is John and a voice booms out of heaven and says, Yes, John, I hear you. He says, Lord, then help me. He said, okay, John, I want you to put your trust in me and just turn loose. And I will take care of you. Is there anybody else up there I can talk to? That don't sound logical that does not sound reasonable it is too simplistic to say let go and let god isn't it but if you don't let go you can't let god you got to let go of your worry for god to give you peace you can't keep holding on to that and ask him to give you peace while you're holding on to what you're holding on to that's going to do what that's going to let you down no matter how hard you hold on to it he asked you to cast your Everybody say 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7. Casting your care, casting your care, casting your care upon Him. Not unreasonably, not because you know something. Because He cares for you. I'm going to read this from the Amplified. I love the Amplified of this. Casting your care, the whole of your anxiety. Once and for all upon Him. For He cares for you and watches over you affectionately. Can you say amen? That's why Paul said, Who shall separate me from the love of God? And he went into this litany and this list of circumstances that can befall you. And he gets down to the end of it. He said, he said not death, nor life, nor any other thing. Angels nor principalities, amen, shall separate me from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ. Amen. The Bible said, cast your care. Cast your burden. Cast your burden. The word cast in the Hebrew 
in the Old Testament, cast your burden on the Lord, He will sustain you. That means you do it as an act of faith and trust. And then He will sustain you. But if you're determined to hold on to it, you can't be sustained by His grace, mercy, and strength while you are holding on to the worry and the fear. You've got to cast it on Him. When it says cast your burden on the Lord, the word cast in the Hebrew means roll it over onto another. Roll it over. Listen, number one about that, you've got to be close to a person if you're carrying something to roll it over on them. There's an old TV in the back. It's not old, actually. It's the first high-definition tube type. It's an LG. It weighs 140 pounds. That thing is heavy. It's heavy. And if I grabbed that up and put it on my shoulder right now, I would want a young man. I'm going to call him young all my life. He's got to give me honor all his life. Can you say amen? I'd rather be young and given the honor. It's okay with me. I got to honor John. The Bible said, honor the hoary head. <laughs> well, that, that's a good word. I mean, it means wisdom. It means gray hair. It's okay, John. Don't, don't sweat. Can you say amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. If I'm going to, first thing, I got to be close to him. I've got to, listen, people stay out of the presence of God all week long. Don't take time to pray, read the Bible, or say anything. And a crisis comes, we run to church and want him to take the burden. It don't happen that way. And the faith you need is coming by hearing, not having heard. That's why you don't just show up in church when you have a problem. So that when you do have a problem, there's already faith in your heart. And so God can be to you all that He promised to be. He requires faith in your heart because as you believe, so be it unto you. As a man thinketh in his heart, so it's going to be unto him. That word, cast your burden on the Lord, He will sustain thee. He will never suffer the righteous to be moved. It means to roll over onto another. Number one, you've got to be close to somebody to do that. And number two, you've got to trust that person is going to take it when you roll it over. Can you say amen? But when that person, I know if I said, Sean, I can't carry this any further, would you help me? And I roll it on him. And I roll it on him. That involves the core word for faith. And that's trust. In the Old Testament, you won't find F-A-I-T-H. You will find T-R-U-S-T. But in order to understand New Testament faith, you must understand Old Testament trust. Because trust, when I say faith, we think of a force within. When I say trust, we think of a person that has earned our trust because they are trustworthy they're worthy of our trust and i trust his respect for me and love for me enough as my brother in the lord my my son in christ <laughs> amen to roll it on him if he said brother venable let me take that you know something i'm gonna let him take it because i trust that he's going to take it and i trust him enough that he's not going to drop it either can you say amen? Hallelujah. And it's easy for me to roll it over on somebody I'm close to and trust in. Everybody say close to and trust in. Come on, we need to get... Listen, listen. The Bible said, seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. 
And if there's a lost art in church, it's that, that, that art of seeking God. Seek the Lord. We'll never see revival until we seek Him till He comes and rains righteousness on us. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can be seated just for a moment. Hallelujah. Roll the stone away. God is so good today. Trust. God wants you to know Him. That's why Paul said, you know, he didn't just talk about faith. He talked about knowing God. Listen, your Bible says something about faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Through faith, we understand what sense knowledge can't tell us. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. Scientists, it messes their mind up. Because you take them out of the sense knowledge realm, they cannot Accept anything that science can't explain. They're completely oblivious to the spiritual realm. So what do they say? The only thing they can say, there is no God. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. The problem is there's a lot of Christians that are just as connected to sense knowledge as they are. Yes, we give mental assent. Yes, we have believed on Christ. But we can't seem to believe anything else because our, 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 our own minds get in the way. And that's why the Word of God is so important. Listen. Hebrews chapter 11, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. That's not a description of faith itself, the essence of faith. That's a description of what faith does when it's in operation. Do not mistake it, now faith is. That's not, not what it is in essence. That's what it is when it's in operation. And, and it can't operate until it becomes something that is realized in you and realized in me. Faith is trusting God. Listen, Jesus walks up to a tomb. There's a dead man in that tomb. His name is Lazarus. He's been dead for three days. His sisters are really irate with Jesus because he didn't come when they sent for him. He shows up three days late. It's too late to pray. Too late to do anything. Why? Because the man is dead. How dead is he? He's graveyard dead. He's so graveyard dead, he is in the tomb, and the tomb is sealed. And Jesus comes, and Martha said, If you'd been here, if you'd have just showed up and done something, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. You're a healer. We all know you're a healer. But now it is too late for you to do anything. Since knowledge will not allow God to be God. He has to be like us with our limitations on Himself. Don't put our limits on Him. Nothing is impossible with God. And here's what I love. I know that about God. But then it goes on to say, And nothing shall be impossible to him that believeth. Believeth what? That nothing is impossible with God. Hallelujah. Woo! Not even your situation. Not even my situation. Not my circumstance. Your circumstance. Nothing is impossible. With God. And nothing shall be impossible to him that believeth. The only thing that God is limited by 
is his own word, his own eternal purpose for you and me. He won't do what is not consistent with his will. But anything consistent with his will, there's nothing impossible. So if he wills for me to go from point A to point B, and there is a mountain of opposition, but God has willed it, and I'm surrendered to that will, and I have discovered that will, and I'm praying in that will, thy will be done in earth as it is, and he's revealed his will. You know what he said I'm supposed to do? Oh, God, look at the mountain. Oh, Lord, heaven, you asked me to do this, and there's a mountain in the way. I don't know what I'm going to do. I love the story of Zerubbabel. God gave him an assignment, and a mountain of opposition was in the way, and God had to calm him down because it just about blew him away. Can you say amen? You gave me an assignment that is too big, too tough. I can't handle it. I can't move mountains. Amen. He said, the mountain that stands before you shall become as a plain, amen, level ground, not by might and not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is a mountain moving God. Hallelujah. And I, 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 someone wrote a book about mountain moving faith. Amen. I didn't read that book. Do you know why? Because it's really not about mountain moving faith. The force of your faith, but the faithfulness of your God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want you to be very cautioned today. Amen. I don't know a lot, but I know Him. Hallelujah. I know Him. I, oh, I know Him. Glory to God. And the Scriptures bear it out. Have faith. Faith in God. Amen. They want to change that to take credit for the force within themselves instead of the Father that is so faithful to them. Amen. And they want to read it this way. And I've heard it preached this way. And Christians get all excited. Have the faith of God. No, no, no. No. Have faith in God. That's how it's written. That's how it should be read. Don't reinterpret it. Anything that takes your faith away from Him, amen, is not the true faith. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb. I do not believe that Simon Peter was supposed to walk the water without Jesus' assistance. Personal assistance. I do not believe he was supposed to get so built up in the Word that through his own faith, without Christ lifting him up. Because then you're not looking to Jesus, who is the author and finisher of it. You're looking to your own faith to deliver you. And what happens if your faith begins to waver and your faith should fail? Oh, and by the way, since they are talking this way, we should go down to Tampa Bay with them and watch them walk the water. Only person ever walked the water was Jesus and Peter that I see in the Scripture. Had to part the water for the children of Israel. They didn't walk on top of it. When Peter heard Jesus say, he thought he saw an apparition. There's a storm, and you know the story, and somebody's walking the water. And he thinks he sees an apparition because sense knowledge won't allow that this could be possible because it's humanly, physically impossible. And Jesus was human and in a physical body, and he's walking on a stormy sea. And the Bible said, listen to this, sense knowledge will just tear you up. 
Amen. <laughs> it's like the three stooges. <laughs> Larry looked, Mo looked over, over at Larry and said, every, he, Larry said, I think we ought to. He said, every time you think, you weaken the nation. Remember the commercial about, uh, you know, the, the college fund? Uh, you know, a mind is a terrible thing to waste. Had a big old football player, and he was auditioning to do that. And he forgot his lines midway. He said, do this and this because a mind is a terrible thing. And he just stopped right there. <laughs> Amen. Listen, how can you trust in the Lord with the all of your heart without leaning to your own understanding or to your sense knowledge. Number one, you've got to be close enough to Him. You've got to seek Him until you begin to understand more than Israel did about Him. Israel wondered for 40 years, not because they didn't see the power of God, but because they didn't trust the person of God. The Bible said that Moses had a different relationship with him because he sought him. There's a personal interaction. Other prophets I will speak to in visions and dreams, but not so my servant Moses. Him will I speak to mouth to mouth. Just like I'm talking to you, he heard God talking to him. And the Bible said that Israel knew his wonders. They saw the Red Sea part. They saw all of the miracles of, and judgments in Egypt. They saw that not even a dog could bark when they walked out of Egypt. Psalm 105 said he took them out with silver and gold. And three million people, believe, listen, of all age groups. And, and there was not, in, in, the, in that great movie with Charlton Heston, The Ten Commandments, it shows the exodus from Egypt, and they are pulling carts with old folks on it from the old folks' home that are feeble, you know, and they can't, they can't walk and they can't go on the journey. Oh, there was something, amen, about smearing that blood on the doorpost and something about partaking of that lamb. Can you say amen? He said, you put the door on the doorpost and the death angel is going to pass over you, but you eat that lamb with your staff in your hand. Can you, what does, ready, ready to roll, ready to move. Can you say amen? While you're eating that lamb, you eat it with the staff in your hand. You eat it prepared to get out of here. And, and listen, the Bible said, this is insight to me in Psalm 105. It said he brought them out with silver and gold and there was not one feeble one among them. Ninety-five year old grandma give their staff in her hand and a belly full of lamb. Can you say man? Can you say man? Glory to God. She's walking right up there with everybody else and keeping pace. Oh, the things that are impossible with men are possible with God. They saw all of that. They saw all of that. And they doubted God when the pressure was on. Since knowledge won't take you very far. They saw it with their own eyes and doubted Him and said, He's brought us out here. He must loathe us. He can't love us. He's brought us out here in the wilderness to forsake us and let us die. But Moses didn't waver. What was different? They were operating on sense knowledge. And the Bible said they saw His wonders. But Moses knew his ways. Everybody say knew his ways. To put it in forensic terms, it would be his M.O. His method 
of operation. Hallelujah. You know, did you know that Abraham staggered not at the promise of God? Listen, Abraham was known for staggering. He tried, when, when, when time passed, oh, when time passes, it'll test your faith. Abraham had the promise of God, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. And what happened? Time was passing. And if he don't do it in a hurry, it's going to be too late. So I'm going to go ahead and do it for him. And he took a concubine. His wife was barren. She couldn't have children. And he took, he, and he took a woman and had a child with that woman. And it created a jealousy in his home. And Ishmael was his name. And right now in the Middle East, his wavering faith has created a chasm between the Jew and the Egyptian and the Palestinian. And you see it today. Amen. He took it in his own hands. But yet the Bible said of him, but he came back to faith. He said he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And why didn't he stagger? Because he knew his ways. Abraham knew his ways. He said he's a God that raises the dead. This was the basis for that faith that didn't waver. He's a God who raises the dead. Well, what's so great about that? Well, it's about the greatest miracle other than salvation that can ever occur. Because when someone is graveyard dead and someone's got power over death, there's nothing impossible to them. Jesus never went to a funeral that he didn't raise the dead. Thank you for the hearty amens. It's true. Whether it be the widow's son or Jairus' daughter. And, and oh, since knowledge... He walks into the room with this dead young woman that he's getting ready to raise from the dead, and he says, she's only asleep. See, God don't operate on sense knowledge. He's not bound by the laws of physics or science or logic or reason. (laughs) Hallelujah. He's not bound by that. We're the ones that limit him as your faith be. Is God little? Is God too small? Is God impotent? Or is he omnipotent? Can you say amen? Hallelujah. In many churches, God is impotent. We serve an impotent God that prayer has no effect. We can't believe Him. Things are, He doesn't move anymore. The day of miracles are over. We come up with theology to match our lack of faith. But the God of the Bible is the Lord God of Israel who changes not. And who tells us to meddle not with them that are given to change. Can you say man? So I don't meddle with people that don't believe and don't want to believe and are bound and determined not to believe. I want to meddle with somebody that has the potential to believe God so that God can do something to bring His His name glory and His goodness to His people. Hallelujah. Nothing shall be impossible with God and nothing shall be impossible to him that believeth. I don't know where your other sources of ministry are. And I don't want you to be exclusive here. I want you to check me out by the word. And I hope I'm in league with somebody else somewhere else. But I'm going to tell you something. If you're drinking in negativism, 
doubt and unbelief all week long. There's not enough time on Sunday morning for me to build up your faith. Can you say amen? Looking unto who? Unto Jesus. Who is what? The author and the finisher of your faith. Can you say amen? Ultimately, it's all about Him. Now, I can talk to you about the times we're in, and I will. But it will not be without putting that focus on Him. He is still the answer. He is still with us. We we are in the kingdom for a time such as this. And He said, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. But I am with you all the way, even through the perilous time of the last day, even to the end of the age. Can you say, man, if God is with us and God is for us, then who can be against us? Can you say amen? Hallelujah. You say, Brother Venable, I believe America's gone. I believe it's too late. Listen, because of what? Because of the sin that's being accepted, promoted, propagated, and abounding. Not just in the world, but in the church and in the pulpit. And in the home and the families of preachers. Where sin doth abound. Since knowledge says, give it up. If you don't come quick, all is lost. God says, if my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and repent and turn from their wicked way. So anointed without the mic on, it's going to jump on that tape anyway. I can't give up. I can't get down. I can't live in that valley. I've been there. I go there sometimes. But I don't live there. It's not where I live. You've got it up somewhere on the pictures on the website. Elijah stands. Since knowledge. He stands up on a mountain. And he says the true and living God is Jehovah. And all the prophets of Baal come out. He stands alone. All the other prophets wouldn't stand with him because they were scared for their life. I've stood alone on many a mountain. And you say, man, hallelujah. And he stood alone. He said, let the God that answers by fire be declared the true and living God. Don't accept this just because we have a Bible. You don't accept this just because we have a book, a history lesson. But because God is relevant and God is real and God is in the present and God is in the now and God is on the throne. This wasn't an argument about theology. Everybody's got a book. Most everybody has a God. What separates our God? It's always been his power. It's always been his power. You say, well, I told him what the Bible said. Well, I'm sorry, friend. They don't believe the Bible. So now what are you going to tell them? You believe the Bible. You assume who you're talking to believes it as much as you do. And if you give them the proper scripture, that's going to solve their problem. They don't believe your Bible. 
They don't believe he raised from the dead either. And that started in the first generation of Christians. I don't believe he raised from the dead. They don't believe it. Some people knew it was true, but they propagated a lie. And the soldiers that saw, that fell like dead, when the angel came up there, and the angel rolled the stone away, and Jesus got up and got out of there and left the grave clothes. Just like a body had been in them, and it just the body dissipated and disappeared, rose in that glorified body and walked out of that tomb. They told him, go tell the soldiers to say his servants came, overwhelmed us. The lie had already begun. Overwhelmed us and took his body. They'll believe that. See, since knowledge can reason that, the only way he can, listen, he was graveyard dead. He's been in there for three days. Let's go back to the tomb of Lazarus. Finish two things real quick. Jesus said, I am the resurrection. I am's of Jesus. Here's those I am's. I am the resurrection. I am the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And he that liveth and believeth in me, he shall never die. Believe thou this? Brother, we're right here in the face of death itself. If you'd been here, they're still mad at him. He walks over to the tomb of Lazarus and tells the servants of, of Lazarus, Martha and Mary, Roll the stone away! Everybody say sense knowledge. Come on, we all got it. We all have to deal with it. And what happens? They said, Lord, sense knowledge will argue with God. By now, he stinketh. Someone went and visited this little story. It's a humorous story. Someone visited the grave of Beethoven, the great composer. And they heard music, they said, but it sounds like it's backwards. Like it's, it's definitely some kind of music, but it's going, it's backwards. And they called in this person who's supposed to know about all that junk and says, what, what does this mean? He said, it doesn't really mean anything. He's just decomposing. That's really, thank you, sister. I needed somebody that got it. You're the only one that puts up with me. You know what happens when you die? You know why they put you six foot? They require you to be six foot. You know why they put you so deep in that hole and put you in a vault? Because your body starts decomposing. It does go back to the dust. Whether it takes 300 years or 30 minutes, it's going back to the dust. That's where it's headed. That's where it came from and that's where it's going. By now he stinketh is reasonable, logical, scientifically true. But when you're dealing with God Almighty, those rules do not apply. Dead man can't live. Abraham said, yes, he can. Come on, dead people can't get up. Abraham said, yes, they can. Hallelujah. Why? Because he's a God who raises the dead. I'm a hundred years old. (laughs) And I'm not siring children. But he raises the dead. 
Sarah is 90 years old. She was barren her whole life. It's a double negative. And now she's went through menopause. She's past the age of childbearing. But he's a God who raises the dead. How can you say amen? Lazarus is graveyard dead for three days. What can he do? He's a God who raises the dead. Literally, he's a God with whom nothing is impossible. And they said, by now, he stinketh. It reminds me of Mary. They're at a wedding. They run out of beverage. Jesus says, bring me water. They got water. It's not water they need. It's wine they need. Let's don't get into alcohol, non-alcohol. Whatever he turned it into wouldn't make you drunk and stupid. Can you say amen? And that other stuff will. I know. <laughs> I was lost before I got saved. How many were lost before you got saved? And don't tell me it won't make you stupid. You do the most stupid things and blame it on the beverage. Bring me water. Bring me water. And what do they say? Sense knowledge. Say sense knowledge. What does he want with water? What good is he going to do to bring him a big vessel of water? We've got water which wine that we need. Thank God for somebody that didn't understand, didn't know his plan, but knew him. Mary didn't know what his plan was. He didn't divulge his plan to Mary, nor to them. But she knew him enough to know one thing about him. Whatever he says... Do it. Do it. Nike sold a lot of t-shirts and tennis shoes because they had a phrase, just do it. If you're going to exercise, don't ask, am I too tired? Just do it. If you're going to go jogging, just do it. I don't jog anymore. My dog pulls me. I'm thinking about getting a, a wagon. <laughs> Take, wouldn't that be great? Only thing is, I'm afraid he would see a cat. And if he sees a cat and I'm in the wagon, then we got trouble. We got trouble at the first turn when I go flying out of the wagon. My dog loves cats. Don't get me wrong. I heard him say the other day, I love cats. I don't think I could eat a whole one, though. God is good. Sense knowledge. We all have to deal with it. You can't trust without leaning to your sense knowledge unless you are close enough to Him to know Him well enough to take Him at His word. To take Him at His word. I remember sense knowledge really got a hold of me because I was going through trials and tests and persecutions and criticisms, which is all common, but it hurts anyway. And it, it distracts you. I had a radio broadcast, WSOL, on Kennedy Boulevard, and I went in and made it live. On a Monday morning, I'm in the radio booth waiting for them to count down and give me the signal. And I'm questioning God. I'm going to be teaching on, on faith. Foundations for Faith was the name of the broadcast. And I'm going to be teaching on faith in some form or another. And my faith is being tested. Because I don't understand why, if God wants me to achieve that, 
this is happening to get in the way of that. And this is happening to distract from that. I really don't get it. And now, I, I, I don't, I'm, in my heart, I'm not accusing God. I'm questioning Him. There is a difference. Brother Vimble, you ought to be to that point. I, I've never got yet to I have to trust without leaning to my understanding. If He would just tell me His plan, I could, I could understand. I could understand. But if He don't tell me His plan, He asks for blind trust, blind faith. <laughs> so, so I'm in this condition. <laughs> and I'm on my way to make that broadcast. And even when the Lord corrects me when I'm in that situation where heaven seems brass and God seems silent, even His correction is just good to hear from Him. Even when He says, you quit that. I say, thank you, Lord. You're there after all. Or Lord, Bobby, stop that. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I didn't even know you were around. I know you're around now. <laughs> Can you say amen? If you don't see His footprints on the beach, you can check somewhere else. Can you say amen? Anyway, thank you, brother. Thank you very much. God is good today. And I pulled out on Ashley exit to go downtown Tampa to Kennedy Boulevard to WSOL radio station. And I saw a blind man with a C&I dog, big old German shepherd. And traffic, this was the traffic time of the morning. You know how it is down around that area. Eight o'clock in the morning, man. It's just, you can't hardly move. Traffic and everybody's in a hurry, and their cars are lined up both ways. And and we stop somewhere on Ashley as you're going into Kennedy. Stopped at a stoplight, and everybody's waiting for that light to turn. Boy, everybody's gonna gonna peel rubber and head for wherever they're headed. Ain't looking at nobody, just ready to go. And here's a blind man, the C and I dog, and that dog is watching. And you know something, they tell me dogs are colorblind. There's just certain colors that filter through. So he's not looking at the red light, the green light. And dogs can't read either. So when it says walk and don't walk, he ain't looking at that. So one thing he's looking at, when all those cars stop, that's his training. When they all stop, he's going to give a gentle tug. He ain't going to pull that man. He's going to give him a gentle tug. And that man who can't see nothing, on Ashley Street, downtown, in the morning, is going to let that dog lead him across the street because he trusts that dog's judgment. And the Lord spoke unto me. And he said, if that man, as clear as I've ever heard God speak, he said, if that man can trust that animal, with his life across this busy street without seeing himself. Can't you trust me with what is so upsetting you right now? Hallelujah. And I said, yes, Lord, I sure can. I surely can. Because sense knowledge always stands in the way of the simple, childlike trust in the faithfulness, the goodness of God. Hallelujah. Oh, what a relief it was to roll that burden over on Him that day.
cast your burden on the Lord. When I saw cast, you know what I thought of? When I saw cast, I thought, without being close to Him, without trusting Him, you just by an act of faith, by the force of your faith, I cast my burden on the Lord. No, that's not cast. That's throw. The word cast in the Hebrew means to roll. It not, not just roll it over. Roll it over on another. It's got to be somebody you know and trust and somebody that you're close to. So you know what the Lord is trying to do with us today? He's trying to get us out of our worry, out of our fear, out of our doubt, close enough to Him that we might trust Him. And the moment we put our trust in the Lord, without leaning to our understanding, the burden lifts. He don't have to lift it. We just rolled it over. We just gave it to Him. We just, and oh yeah, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. Commit thy way unto Him. Trust also in Him. And He shall bring it to pass. It what? What you think should be done to take the pressure off of you. Know what He knows should be done in His eternal will for your eternal good. He'll bring that to pass. That's called making everything work together for good to them that love Him and are the called according to His purpose. Have you learned anything about trusting God today? Have you learned something about sense knowledge today? While we walk by faith and not by sight. Hallelujah. Now here's, here's the closing. We've got to get Lazarus out of this tomb. By now he stinketh. Sense knowledge. You're too late. It's too late. And what you're asking makes no sense. Jesus answered it this way, Did not I say unto you that if you would roll the stone away, you would see the glory of God? He didn't ask them to do the supernatural. He asked them to act on His Word. He didn't ask them to turn water to wine. He asked them to act on His Word and bring Him water. Can you say amen? Acting on His Word, anyone in here can do. You're going to act on His Word when you... I would ask you before the service is over, how are you going to act? Come on, how are you going to act? This is a legitimate question. After hearing this message, when you walk out that door, are you going to act on His Word or are you going to just absolutely crawl back into that place? That you were in when you walked in this door. And don't tell me you were not in there. He wouldn't have given me this message. If everybody's on the mountaintop, you're, you're just saying, hey, I know all of that stuff. I walk by faith and not by sight. Glory. Hallelujah. Amen. I just, somebody just hit my car and tore it in half, but I walked away. Thank you, Jesus. You're on the throne. I just got a letter from the IRS that I owed them $150,000 in back taxes. Lord, have mercy. Lord, I'm so glad you're on the throne. I'm going to really shout when I get to church. Can you say amen? John says, John said, since knowledge is rising up, can you say, man, the tax man cometh. No, it's not that simple. But whatever is burdening you, whatever is burdening me, we're told to cast our burden, to roll it over on another. 
And I simply can't do it because it's in the book or in the Word. I have to know a person and be close to that person enough to trust them. And that's why God is calling His church. Paul, with all of his anointing and all of his revelation in the Word, he cried out, Oh, that I might know Him. And all his troubles come as he began to seek that intimate, personal, precise knowledge of God. But God, because of that intimate, personal, precise knowledge, took him through all of his troubles. And he said, I know whom, not just in whom. Well, we've all trusted in Christ. He said, I know the Christ that I've trusted in as my Savior. I know whom I have believed. And because of that knowledge, I am persuaded that he is able. The word able in the Greek means able and faithful. Can you say man To keep me from falling? To keep me from falling. That means going back into sin. Uh, listen, it wasn't his perfect character. It was God's power, God's presence, God's grace, God's help when he was tempted. I know whom I have believed and I'm persuaded he's able to keep me from falling. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor circumstances, nor death, nor life, nor any other thing will separate me from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ. I know Him. Hallelujah. 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 And it brought the endurance and the resilience and the stalwart faith that we see demonstrated through the life of this great apostle. And God is calling us to do what? To know Him. To know Him. To know Him. To have that desire. Oh, that I might know Him. Looking to Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of your faith. Looking away from all that will distract. And setting your gaze upon Him. Setting your gaze upon Him. It's so essential in this day with such discouragement and distractions. They said on the news the other day that watching the news, they said on the news that watching the news can be detrimental, every day can be detrimental to your health. Because what is happening in our world and in our nation and all around us all the time is so disconcerting and disheartening that people's actual physical health is being affected by all of the bad news there is in this world. There's only one book in one place and one person to get good news now. And that's what gospel literally means, is good news. I have good news to bring. We used to sing it at camp meeting. I have good news to bring. That is why I sing. My joy with you I'll share. Because I plan to take a trip on the good old gospel ship and go sailing through the ah oh, brother Vanderbilt, go sailing through there. What are you talking? I'm talking about the coming of Christ. When you see these things begin to come to pass, lift up your head. Your redemption is drawing nigh, for now is our salvation nearer than the day that we believed. Can you say amen? Glory be to God. And to them that look, He shall appear the second time without sin unto glory. Hallelujah. Praise God. I long for Him. That's why I'm looking for Him with all of my heart. 
and looking unto Jesus, hallelujah, who is the author and the finisher of my faith. He will never discourage me. He will lift me up. He will give me the courage and strength I need to stay in the race until the race is won. Hallelujah. Will you stand to your feet today? Father, we praise you. 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 Psalm 103.7, He made known His ways to Moses, His acts, or literally wonders in the Hebrew, to the children of Israel. His ways unto Moses, His acts unto the children of Israel. They doubted in spite of all the miracles they saw. They questioned Him and His faithfulness and love after they saw the Red Sea part. Ate the manna from heaven. Hallelujah. They, they doubted that he could take them into a land since knowledge telling them they were not capable of taking a man. And they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. It was a 40-day journey to where he wanted to bring them. It took them 40 years to get there because since knowledge trumped trust in God. It did it then. It's doing it now. It's doing it now. He said, I'll never leave you. And when you have a bad, bad day and feel terrible, you doubt His presence in your life. Because His Word doesn't trump your sense knowledge. Your emotions rule you. And where faith should be, there's doubt and fear. And you live in the darkness of the valley that you choose to stay in. And the burden is breaking you that you choose to carry. Cast your burden on the Lord means you have a choice. It's not God's choice. It's your choice. He's with you like He promised. He's close to you. He's close enough to roll it on Him. But you've got to do an act of faith and trust Him with it. I've given my son to Him. I've given my circumstances to Him. I've given my body to Him. I've committed my life to Him. And without it, I would be crushed under the load. And if I'm crushed by the load, if you're crushed by the load, you can't be a prayer warrior. I'm going to tell you, you can pray, but you know what's going to be in your prayer? All of that doubt, all of that fear, there'll be only desperation, not dependence. Not dependence. And your body's going to show it. The stress is going to break down your immune system. It's going to trouble your mind to where you have no peace. Your joy will be gone, and the joy of the Lord is what? Your strength, so you're not going to have strength. There's something called the shield of faith that does what? Satan is not going to say, oh, wait, they're not ready for me to attack them. It would be unfair of me to fire this fiery dart when they don't have no shields up. What did Captain Kirk do every time the, the what, what were the Klingons or the... The Romulans and the Klingons. What did he do? What's the first thing he did? What didn't fire missiles at him? First thing he did is say, raise them shields. So when they fire at us, they're going to fire at us. But let the shields catch it so the ship don't get hurt. Raise the shields. You know what? I want, I want to be Captain, Captain Kirk this morning. I want to tell the body of Christ for heaven's sakes. If you're going to do it, if you're ever going to do it in your whole entire life, now is the time to do it. Raise your shields! 
Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench every fiery dart of the enemy. Can you say amen? Glory to God. Glory. Raise your shields. And while you've got that shield up, unsheath. While you've got that defensive weapon up, unsheath this other weapon. Can you say amen? Unsheath. Come on, when it's in your heart, it's in the sheath. But when it's out of your heart and your mouth, amen, it's in your hand. Can you say amen? The word in my heart is the word in its sheath. Hallelujah. But when the word gets in my mouth, the sword is out of its sheath and in my hand. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. 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 Because when Jesus comes, you know how he's going to deal with the devil. The Bible said a sword went out of his mouth. What sword? I'm glad you asked. You're prolonging the service, but it's worth it. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The apostle said, we have believed, therefore have we spoken. If you say to that mountain, be thou removed. Oh, man. I have prayed about the mountain. I have sought God about the mountain. I have told God about the mountain. What's wrong with God? The mountain isn't moving. But I haven't talked to the mountain. Did Jesus say talk to the mountain? Is it in your Bible? Is, is there enough faith to ever know the will of God and tell the mountain you're in the way of the will of God? Move in Jesus' name. Have faith in God. If you say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the midst of the sea, and doubt not in your heart that what you say will come to pass, and the only way not to doubt is to know beyond that you are so surrendered to the will of God that... You know the will of God without a shadow of a doubt. That's why you don't doubt in your heart that what you say, not because you said it, but because He wills it. Can you say, man, you will have what you say because what you say is what He wills. And you've acted on His Word. Can you say, man, I can't raise a dead man, but I can help roll a stone away. Can you say, man, I can't turn water to wine. But I can bring him water. <laughs> Hallelujah. Can you say, man, if he asks for water, I can bring him water. Isn't it wonderful? He's just asking us to act on his word. He's just asking us for once in our life to put on our big boy pants and start taking him at his word so he can lift the burden, lift us out of the miry clay, put our feet on a rock, bedrock, and put a song in our heart. That will convince others there's hope for you. Because look what God has done for me. God loves you today. And this challenge is because He loves you. I, I want to use challenge. I'm not condemning. I'm challenging. If you're not challenged, if your muscles, if you don't use them, they're going to atrophy. If your faith isn't challenged, it's going to atrophy. You can sing about it, talk about it, preach about it. But until you act on His Word, faith without corresponding actions is what? It's dead. How dead? Graveyard dead. And that's why there's such deadness in so many churches with great criers and great preachers and people speaking great swelling words about God. 
until the valley comes, the trouble comes, and the trauma comes. Oh, how, how, how precious He is and persistent He is. Hallelujah. Working with us and working within us. I want to see a revival in my day. I want to see victory in the hearts of God's people in my day. I want to see families know the joyful sound in my day. I want to hear laughter in the camp, not just at my corny jokes. Can you say amen? But I want to hear laughter from hearts that God has lifted up. Can you say amen? Listen, when it happens, when we put our trust in Him and seek His face till He come and rain righteousness upon us, when God, and He will, make no mistake about it, when God, on the way to church, freedom, 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 freedom was the theme. When God turns what? All the bondage in the church and in Christians. When God turns again, the psalmist said. When God turns again, the captivity of Zion, the church. Come on, when God's holy people get, begin to live in, in a faith relationship so God can keep every promise that He's ever made to them. He'll turn the captivity of Zion. Then, when he does that, our mouth will be filled. Our tongues, our mouth will be filled with laughter, our tongues with song. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And when that occurs, there's going to be a change in the atmosphere. Can you say, man, there's going to be, it'll be electrically charged because people will be saying, it's impossible with me, but it's not impossible with him, and my faith is in him. I don't know how he's going to do it. I don't know when he's going to do it, but I know he's going to do it, and that's all I need to know. Can you say, man, let's give him a wave off him. If you, if you want that relationship, if you want to get closer to him and close enough that you can trust him so that you can roll whatever it is or whoever it is over onto him. Hallelujah. I'd move oh, Father, I couldn't stand another day. Not one more day. I couldn't come back next Sunday. I'm going to be honest with you. You think you've been through some things? Preach for 40 years. It's like having... A, it's like having a big target on you and the devil gets up every morning and puts his archers out there and says, see that guy with the target? Oh, it ain't just on my back, honey. It's on my front and both my sides. Can you say, man, every way I turn, fiery darts keep coming. If it wasn't for the joy of the Lord to strengthen me and the shield of faith to protect me, the devil would have taken me out a long time ago. But he said, I won't leave you and I won't forsake you. I'll go with you. Hallelujah. My faith is in him, brother. Hallelujah. Let's lift him up today. Just lift him up if you have to go leave reverently the lord is still with us the lord is still with us the lord is still with us and the god of jacob is our help hallelujah give him praise today